0: statistics tell us that one in five Americans suffer from chronic pain. That means that the problem of chronic pain is actually much worse than anything uh, even remotely coming close to a viral pandemic. Now, given that at least half of all these chronic pain sufferers actually suffer from a pain whose origin goes deeper than just a physical injury, we have great cause for concern. You see, the worst kind of pain that can be experienced is not physical pain, but emotional pain. It actually causes the greatest debilitation among all pain sufferers. Can emotional pain lead to physical pain in the body? Absolutely, it can. This kind of broad category of pain that is triggered by emotional pain or emotional trauma is is called central pain. If you have experienced difficulty actually getting control of your pain or any other symptoms related to emotional trauma, and if this is ruining your life and you can't seem to get a handle on it, then you may actually be suffering from central pain. But how do you know this for sure? This is Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Today, I want to discuss a poorly understood cause of pain that is actually destroying the lives of millions of people across America. It's called central pain. Central pain is simply emotional pain gone bad it can actually worsen and prolong pre-existing pain conditions well beyond the inciting trauma that caused the initial injury. It can also generate new forms of pain that would not exist if the person was not emotionally traumatized. Now, I would like to express a disclaimer at this time Chronic pain is always an emotionally charged topic, and so it's very easy for someone talking about pain to be misunderstood. My goal here is to heighten your awareness. I have given lectures in central pain and in chronic pain of all types, and face-to-face, it's much easier to express thoughts, and to receive the feedback of people in the audience. What I am not doing today is offering any specific treatment for pain, nor will I make any personal diagnoses or recommendations for you. My aim simply is to enlighten you and to increase your awareness of the limits of pain research and therapy and to help you to understand the subject of central pain so that you might personally take control of it. I've been treating pain of all types for over 15 years, and I have through those years recognized some similar patterns in the history of many pain patients. This led me to discover how to treat this very difficult type of pain. Yes, central pain actually is very treatable. It's even curable, but you have to know what you're dealing with. And to be honest with you, most physicians do not understand central pain. This is not an indictment against physicians because physicians, for the most part, are simply not trained in pain medicine, and even if they were, we are still at a fairly rudimentary level in understanding pain. It is a very complex topic. Years ago, approximately eight or nine years ago, I actually had proposed a mechanism for this kind of emotional pain that I'm calling central pain. I had submitted a summary of a mechanism in pain management journal, but I pulled the article, the submission, before it was published, let's say because of a disingenuous editor of that journal. Several years later, however, a very similar article appeared in the same journal, but they still didn't quite get it right, in my humble opinion. One of the first obstacles that we have to overcome in talking with pain is the problem with nomenclature, with naming, labeling, or giving a title to pain. We actually have a medical term that has been in vogue uh, for years. It is called central pain syndrome. This is actually according to the diagnostic criteria, a pain that comes on after having a stroke. It's a pain that actually originates in the central nervous system, not in the peripheral nervous system. Now, you must understand that a stroke is a painless event. And so the question has to be asked, how can a painless event turn into a painful condition? Well, that's pretty much what I plan to discuss today because undiagnosed or misdiagnosed central pain has likely destroyed millions of Americans' lives. Central pain is very poorly understood and therefore central pain is very poorly treated. And for that reason, it is severely debilitating. What complicates the discussion of central pain even further is the fact that central pain can be expressed in many different ways, and this makes naming it, calling it something very hard to do, but it's not impossible. Things really start to clear up once you understand the mechanism in a very simplistic way of how this pain develops. Once you understand it, then you begin to overcome it. With that in mind, I would like to describe this mechanism of central pain in the most simple terms that I can to you. Central pain is simply a significant emotionally traumatic event that is triggered and causes emotional pain. The emotional pain is processed in the brain, as is all pain, by the way, but it is triggered specifically by any kind of emotional trauma. Can physical pain lead to central pain? Most definitely it can. But when I'm talking about central pain, I'm talking about the emotional part of the brain that actually experiences emotional pain. We actually have a name for that system. It's called the limbic system, and it's comprised primarily of four areas. Uh, These are called the thalamus, the hypothalamus, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. And if you're like most people, you say, so what? That means absolutely nothing to me, and that's okay. Just realize that the limbic system is the emotional part of the brain that processes and regulates emotional stimuli. If you are hurt emotionally, then your limbic brain is becoming active. And those emotions can affect your life in a very drastic way. So many of you already know this fact, I'm not telling you anything the limbic brain has its effects on the autonomic and the endocrine systems of the body, and like men, likely many other functions as well. Uh, even though the limbic brain is composed of those four uh, components, the truth is the entire brain is highly, highly structured and very integrated, so that when one part of the brain is affected, it can have a great effect on not only every other part of the brain, but also on every other part of the body. And that is exactly what is happening when we are talking about central pain. This means that any emotionally painful event can be processed in the brain and can alter bodily function and can manifest in a lot of different ways, ways that perhaps you're not even aware of. Some people have described having, quote, a gut feeling or a gut-wrenching experience. Some people will call a person or an event a thorn in my side, which is a pain. Or if you're irritating me to no end, I might call you a pain in the neck. If you happen to be one of those unfortunate persons who suffers from anxiety, depression, fear as well as is living with a chronic painful condition you know full well that your emotions will determine how bad your physical pain is experienced and so you might have good days and bad days and if you take notice on the good days you seem to be having a good time of it you seem to feel happy for whatever reason that may be If you're having a bad day, then you're probably experiencing a lot of muscle tension, and that muscle tension can affect other parts of the body, including joints and multiple other systems in the body. If the emotional trauma is actually severe enough as a trigger event, and it is then perpetuated then the pain is processed in the brain and it can actually spread not just to other parts of the brain, but it can descend down the descending pain pathways and manifest as other symptoms in other areas of the body. If the trauma or the effects of that trauma are severe enough and recurrent, then that pain can persist The pain can escalate, and the pain does tend to manifest in actually a predictable sequence. Once central pain is actually established in the human brain, it tends to persist forever. Pain of a central origin can actually be linked to physical injury, but if it's not recognized and treated that emotional pain, then the pain will worsen over time usually. And then that pain becomes refractory to treatment from typical pain medications. And I'll list some examples of that. But this is certainly a contributing factor to opioid dependence to people who were started on opioids and then had their opioids escalated because the pain benefit, the analgesic effect lasted only for a short time. And if you had a physician who was not wise and continued to escalate the opioid, then what you found is that your pain actually became worse and worse and worse triggered and worsened by actually the opioid medication that you and your doctor thought was going to make your pain better. I cannot overemphasize the fact that an emotional trigger, an emotionally traumatic event in your past is what starts the central pain cycle or induction of pain. This might be a form of abuse. It might be the death of a close family member. It might be living in a home where alcoholism is rampant, or it could be an event such as your parents or your partner divorcing. It could be because of a personal assault or a surgery gone bad. It could be due to physical trauma, such as an amputation or a severe auto collision or a critical illness. Anything that triggers a severe emotional response is likely to be an initiating event that will cause central pain. This has to be understood because once the brain, quote, learns how to manifest the symptoms, whatever they may be, then those symptoms can and often do persist forever, for years, or perhaps for the rest of your life. And when that occurs, then flare-ups of the central pain, however it is manifested in the body, can be caused by an acute emotional stressor. If you are a worrier, you're going to be in for a really rough time. I'd like to introduce a concept called the central pain cascade. I mentioned that central pain can present as pain in the body in a multitude of different ways But the central pain cascade is what I would call the typical pathway, not always in this sequence, but the typical pathway in which central pain develops and then evolves. For most people, central pain actually begins with a migraine headache. If you have a migraine headache, you have a throbbing, pounding, perhaps one-sided, but possibly two-sided headache that is severely debilitating to the point that you seek out a dark, quiet room, you curl up in a ball, and you try to put yourself to sleep to escape the pain. A migraine headache can be severely, severely debilitating. Unfortunately, if you have one migraine followed by a second migraine, then you begin to train your brain to have migraine headaches. The migraine is usually the first step in the central pain cascade. If your pain continues emotionally to either affect you or if you are repeatedly being assaulted by this emotional pain, then that pain can manifest in new ways. And the second step in the cascade, usually not always, is in the form of irritable bowel syndrome. Yes, IBS is a central pain. There are a lot of variations in irritable bowel syndrome. There are, in fact, more manifestations of irritable bowel syndrome than are even in the diagnostic criteria in the medical literature. Most physicians are aware of a mixed form of irritable bowel syndrome where there is an alternating episodes of diarrhea followed by constipation, returning to diarrhea and co- and then constipation again. This is called a mixed IBS type. There is also diarrhea predominant irritable bowel syndrome. Typically the person with diarrhea has multiple episodes in the morning. The typical patient with IBS diarrhea will avoid eating breakfast because that will trigger the episodes of diarrhea. If you haven't eaten breakfast for several years because you are trying to avoid your tummy from cramping and bloating, perhaps, and having abdominal pains and diarrhea, the reason is because you have a central pain called irritable bowel syndrome. Irritable bowel syndrome can also manifest in the form of constipation. It can also manifest just as recurrent bloating. Again, typically in the morning or typically after you eat a meal, shortly after, as in within 15 minutes. But it can also occur later in the evening. It depends on what has triggered your pain and how and why your body is manifesting the symptoms it is. Some people actually have an erectation form of IBS. Erectation is just a fancy word for belching. Some people belch repeatedly in a cyclic fashion because of erectation-predominant IBS. Other people will just experience severe, painful abdominal cramping recurrently. And you'll notice that the symptoms are always worse if you are under some form of an acute emotional stressor. Irritable bowel syndrome is highly debilitating. If you've got a severe case of it, you probably never want to leave the home because you are afraid you won't make it to the bathroom on time it can cause you to become a hermit. And when that happens, then you are perpetuating your condition. The third and more severe next sequence in the central pain cascade is another very common, very misunderstood form of central pain called fibromyalgia. That's the pain all over. People who have fibromyalgia have a lot of problems, and fibromyalgia is very emotionally debilitating. People with fibromyalgia have other symptoms manifesting as fibrofog or just can't think clearly. Fibromyalgia patients also have severe fatigue. And despite the fatigue, they have insomnia, a lot of difficulty falling asleep at night and staying asleep. They live in constant diffuse pain, pain all over, not just isolated to a certain muscle group or to a particular joint or to a a severe case of low back pain, Uh, there is a test for fibromyalgia whereby there are 18 uh, so-called tender points, but those tender points are kind of uh, arbitrarily expressed. Most people with fibromyalgia, uh, if you push on either side of the lower back, be they young or old, it could be a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, or an 80-year-old, but when you push on those tender points, What you find is they have an exaggerated pain response. Just touching a person with fibromyalgia can cause a lot of pain. And that's why some people say, don't hug me, it hurts. When I am doing an exam on a fibromyalgia patient, I don't ask them if they're in pain. I push with the appropriate pressure on the tender points, and I simply look at their face, and their face tells me the entire story. Sometimes it goes beyond just a facial expression, and then they start swatting at me saying, stop that. Don't do that. It hurts really bad. And so I stop. There is a classic example of of central pain, and I suppose that the classic example would involve a history of sexual abuse. This was seen recurrently in my practice, and I assure you, sexual abuse is a horrific, horrible crime that unfortunately is not punished in America, and it should be. I would not reluctantly say that I am all for capital punishment when it comes to abusing someone so innocent and causing so much debilitation in a person's life. Sexual abuse should be severely, severely punished. But the typical person who is sexually abused, and yes, it does happen to males as well as females, actually is an extremely common trigger for migraine headaches. And there is a reason why migraines often begin in the very early adolescent years. That's because that is most commonly when sexual abuse begins. If that emotional pain from this abuse becomes severe or is repeated or is not properly processed, then the next sequence will be irritable bowel syndrome. And if the one event or the multiple events of abuse continue to occur, then you can anticipate that fibromyalgia is on its way. The mechanism of central pain is very complex and it's very integrated, but it goes like this. Emotional pain processed in the brain descending down the pain pathways to the rest of the body in predictable fashions. Can this be treated? Absolutely. What's the starting point? We've already done it. Understanding why you have pain. When I share the first few words as I'm doing with you, a lot of my patients have tears in their eyes. They begin crying and they are tears of joy. And they say, wow, you mean there's a real reason for my pain because I've been told I'm crazy. I've been told it's all in my head. Central pain may be processed in the brain, but I assure you central pain is every bit as painful as any other kind of pain and likely more painful. The starting point in understanding central pain is very very simple anatomy. Just remember this, the brain is connected to the rest of the body. And when the brain is emotionally traumatized, so can be the rest of the body. Therefore, when the brain is emotionally inflamed, if you will, that inflammation can be processed and spread to the rest of the body. If the emotionally inflamed brain is not treated to reduce that inflammation, that is by dealing directly with the emotional trauma, then you can expect that that inflammation will spread and express itself as bodily pain or discomfort or some other symptoms elsewhere in the body. This is exactly why it is so important to treat post-traumatic stress disorder very early on. It's a mistake that we learned way too late for our soldiers that experienced emotional trauma in the battlefield in recent years and since Desert Storm. This emotional trauma is actually a perception of the brain. And depending on how you perceive it, it will determine how your body will process that pain. I'm going to take a short break and then get into the diagnosis and treatment of central pain. This is Steve LaTulip on Unity Without Compromise with America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'll be right back.
1: In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip, your host on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Today, I am hoping to expose the untold story of central pain. The discussion being how emotional pain can present itself in the body and can totally destroy your life. Central pain does originate with some triggering emotionally traumatic event and it is processed in the brain and then leads to other forms of severe debilitation, including migraine headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia, complex regional pain syndrome, bladder pain syndrome and female pelvic pain, as well as many other conditions. What is so exciting is to know that this pain can effectively be treated, but it first needs to be diagnosed. And diagnosis of any kind of a pain condition in the present scenario of medicine, where doctors no longer lay hands on patients and doctors get an average of three minutes to spend with each patient, I'm afraid, literally, that the world is in a world of hurt, more so than ever before. Diagnosis of central pain absolutely begins with a thorough history and a complete physical exam. These are crucial to be able to properly diagnose the problems associated with central pain. We must be able to understand that it takes more than a few minutes to diagnose central pain. Through the years, this actually became quite a bit easier for me because of the trends that I noticed. Take an average 25 to 30 year old woman who is very, very healthy, but when I look at her intake history, she has marked on the history form just about every condition one could possibly have. I look at these trends and I see migraine headaches. I see insomnia. I see arthritis or joint pain or pain all over. I see anxiety and depression and diarrhea and possibly diarrhea and constipation, as well as hundreds of other check marks describing different conditions. And almost immediately, I have a good feel for what I'm dealing with. There is a diagnostic triangle, and if you can understand the diagnostic triangle, there's a good chance that you can diagnose yourself. If you are a medical practitioner and don't understand central pain, this is an easy way to get a handle on central pain very, very quickly. Imagine me drawing a simple triangle, and at each point of the triangle, are a different word. One is pain, the other is anxiety, and the third point is insomnia. I ask a patient when being shown this picture of pain, anxiety, and insomnia, I ask them to put a dot somewhere in that triangle where their symptoms were are, are most predominant. So some people will actually mark very close to pain but also somewhat halfway toward insomnia. Or perhaps somebody has all three severely expressed in their lives and so they would put a dot in the center of the triangle telling me that their pain and their anxiety and their insomnia are are equally problematic. This determines how I treat them. Now, of course, we have to have a thorough physical exam and we have to know the complete history. And perhaps we might even need some imaging and other data uh, from prior treatments so that we can fully understand the causes of pain because it is essential in defining and identifying central pain that we must rule out other causes for severe pain. We don't just accept that someone has abdominal pain and therefore it is pain-predominant irritable bowel syndrome. A patient could have pain from a tumor or some other problem in the gut. There are also benefits from obtaining some blood markers, such as those that we check for inflammation of joints and of other conditions. Sometimes x-rays and MRIs and CT scans will give us good information. But what I'm looking for in the central pain patient are the common trends, primarily multiple symptoms that are not readily explainable by what I'm seeing on a physical exam, and by by what I'm hearing in the history. Missed diagnosis of pain often occurs because of distracting information. For example, such as mild degenerative arthritis or changes that may have been noted on an X-ray. As we get older, everyone has some degeneration of the spine of the joints of the intervertebral discs. And so that can lead physicians astray and say, oh, I understand your pain. It's because you got some arthritis in your spine. We also need to know if a patient is suffering a certain pain because of an inflammatory arthritis such as rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or Chagrin syndrome or some other autoimmune disease. These cannot be missed but realize that overlapping conditions are common in the manifestation of central pain, but central pain always leads to that hyperalgesia that I mentioned earlier, the increased perception of pain. It's almost always also associated with anxiety and with insomnia. And because of those also with depression. Depression, anxiety, and pain most definitely go together. And so how do we actually treat central pain? I dared to say that central pain can actually be healed. I do want you to know that there is a treatment process, and the three-step process that I will describe once central pain is diagnosed, is extremely effective. Unfortunately, many of my central pain patients who came to me were of the category that I called rescue patients. They were debilitated. They had been to the pain specialists, which are the interventional radiologists and other pain clinics where central pain simply was not understood and therefore was not diagnosed. Step number one, in the healing process of central pain is to remove the wrong medications. Opioids are number one on that list with the possible exception of tramadol, although tramadol in the treatment of fibromyalgia, severely painful fibromyalgia should not be continued real long-term. I will make that very clear opioids are a wrong medication for treating central pain. In fact, opioids will worsen central pain. The other severely debilitating class of medications that I find my rescue patients on are the benzodiazepine class. These include Xanax, Valium, clonazepam or clonopin, Ativan or lorazepam, these medications must be stopped. The benzodiazepine crisis in America has been such a problem that that induces pain and central pain specifically that I have in the last decade screened patients ahead of time and advise them that if you are on a benzodiazepine and you are not willing to get off of it, then I will not see you. You must withdraw from the benzodiazepine carefully under medical supervision because withdrawal can be dangerous from a benzodiazepine. I then look at other medications that do not effectively treat elements of the diagnostic triangle, the pain, the insomnia, the anxiety. One of these, for example, is bupropion or Welbutrin. Now, Welbutrin is a very effective medication for treating depression, not anxiety. It tends to worsen anxiety. It ramps people up and makes them feel more anxious medications such as these have to go. So step number one, remove the wrong medication and already there will be some improvement. Yes, tapering the opioids, tapering the benzos actually starts to clear the fibro fog and tends to improve the pain. Step number two is to start the right medications. Now, again, as I said at the beginning, I am not intending to treat, I am not intending to suggest any medication. But at the same time, I will tell you that there are some very good medications for treating central pain. When I talked about the patient who has the dot in the center of the triangle of central pain, There is one medication, for example, called amitriptyline that treats anxiety very well, treats insomnia very well, and treats pain very well. That medication specifically amitriptyline is the oldest of a class called the tricyclic antidepressants. These tend to have side effects but the side effects of amitriptyline are the very thing that have been beneficial and useful in treating central pain. Do all patients tolerate amitriptyline? Absolutely not. Some do not tolerate it, others consider it a wonder drug. So get the patients off the wrong medications, start the right medications based on the simple diagnostic triangle and try to select medications that treat therapeutically the most common debilitating conditions of the central pain patient. Muscle relaxers can be very useful or phenadrine was one of my best. Also, cyclobenzoprine can help many with insomnia, with muscle tension and pain. Cyclobenzoprine is also known as flexural. There's another fairly good medication called tizanidine Unfortunately, in this day and age, uh, prescriptions uh, are determined by uh, one's insurance company because many insurance companies will not treat certain medications, such as in the anti-seizure medication class, which are very effective for treating central pain. These include gabapentin or Neurontin, pregabalin or Lyrica, and topiramate or Topamax. Topiramate has been an incredibly effective medication for central pain. It is in the same class as gabapentin and pregabalin or Lyrica, and it has the added benefit of causing weight loss. It is very effective, but it does require some monitoring as do other anti-seizure class medications. The point is, get the patient off the wrong medications, start the medications that will actually get control of the immediate painful side effects or symptoms, the insomnia, the pain, the anxiety, and then comes step number three. And that step has already begun Educate the patient on central pain. This, believe it or not, is the most important step in healing central pain. Using the neocortex, that's the new brain, it's the part of the brain that can take control of the emotional brain. I would call it the thinking brain. If you train your brain to get control of the emotional brain, then your central pain begins to diminish. Believe it or not, that process tends to begin after the very first encounter of my pain patients that suffer from central pain. We must understand that central pain arises from an anxiety disorder. It can be a severe or chronic stressor, but there has to have been some trigger event. When the limbic system, the emotional brain, overpowers the neocortex, the thinking brain, then central pain manifests and it can persist forever. But central pain is not only treatable, but curable. And I want to emphasize that a great many of my central pain patients are now off medications and actually pain-free when they have gone through the three-step process. The third process of educating the patient with central pain includes many things that you can actually take control of yourself. One of those is low impact exercise. Something like just taking a little daily morning walk or perhaps swimming, but don't overdo it, don't push it too hard, start slowly. Bicycling and other non-weight bearing exercises that don't traumatize the body much are very, very helpful. A second very important thing is to practice good sleep hygiene. And that also can be taught. If you learn how to put yourself to sleep, then you have eliminated one of the major components of the therapeutic triangle, that being insomnia. If you actually can learn to get control of your anxiety by practicing calmness, by actively teaching yourself to relax, then you will help to control and overcome your central pain. I had my patients get an egg timer or such thing, and I would tell them, practice for 30 seconds. Practice for five minutes living in a calm state. Put yourself into a calm mode, avoid intrusive thoughts that cause you to worry, put it aside, practice it for five minutes a day. When you achieve success, then increase it to 10 minutes, and then 15 minutes. And then before you know it, practicing calmness becomes you and pain goes away. Another very effective self treatment is to recognize your triggers and learn to control them if you have exposure to that person who abused you then not confronting that person will always always present that person as a trigger for your pain if you can confront the person by bringing the abuse to the forefront of your brain and cause and cause you to actually deal with this By confronting the person, you have now not only recognized the trigger, but dealt with your trigger, and you will learn to control it by doing that. This will help to erase and retrain the brain so that the pain is not perceived. This, by the way, is where forgiveness has a very, very powerful effect also. Forgiveness, whether that perpetrator wants it, deserves it, or will accept it. Another very simple but very effective process in removing the pain of central pain, believe it or not, is to flush the carbs in your diet. Carbohydrates are pro-inflammatory. Every patient that I could persuade to get off the carbs and who did it, Notice that their pain started to greatly diminish, as in 50% within just a few days, no matter what the source of the pain was. The pro inflammatory carbs, when eliminated, and I'm talking primarily processed sugar in any form, not the sugar in apples or oranges or other fruits, but processed carbs. Are very pro inflammatory. They will heighten your pain. However, carbs are addictive. And if you have a carb addiction, you will go through a three week withdrawal in the same way that you would go through a three week withdrawal trying to get off heroin. Be aware of that. And so you could taper the carbs gradually by tackling one category of carbs, stop eating ice cream, and then go for the candy and then go for other forms of carbs like pasta, you know, all the things we love. Um, But once you get rid of them, you'll notice number one, you're losing weight. And number two, your pain is greatly, greatly improved. Another very simple and the last component of getting control of your pain through self-help is to stay well hydrated. It is amazing. If you just drink water throughout the day, you will feel better. You will feel less fatigued, more energized, and therefore you'll be more eager to go out and take that walk each morning. There are some good things you can do to treat your pain. Well, let me discuss with you three case studies of people that I actually treated just to expose the tyranny of central pain, if you will, central pain that was undiagnosed. The first case study is that of a 63-year-old female who came to me after I treated her son uh, for pain, And she had told me that she was severely debilitated, she was bedridden, she did have pain all over, but specifically her pain was localized to her abdomen and it was excruciating and it literally kept her bedridden. This woman had no quality of life. Through her history, I discovered that she had actually had five, count them, five surgeries. She first had her appendix removed, it didn't help. She then had her gallbladder removed, no benefit. She then further had a hysterectomy, a complete hysterectomy, but her pain remained the same. Finally, she had an exploratory laparoscopy, but nothing was found until she then had a colonoscopy And it was determined that possibly she had some inflammation in her colon, inflammation that actually was triggered by her self treatment of her condition. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? This woman had also an upper endoscopy, that is, a scope down into the esophagus and to the stomach, and nothing was found. The woman finally had a last surgery, a hemicolectomy. One half of her colon was removed in desperation. And guess what? Her pain was still as bad as ever. So this woman, after seeing a neurologist, a general surgeon twice, a gastroenterologist and a gynecologist, had no satisfaction. She was still suffering severe debilitation. She was practically bedridden. She was riddled with anxiety because of her chronic unexplained abdominal pain. But her history and physical exam told me the whole story. She had a long history of abuse of every kind. She had ongoing emotional trauma due to severely dysfunctional family issues that she was confronting on a daily basis. She was taking medications that did worsen her condition. These did include opioids and benzodiazepines. Well, her diagnosis was simply undiagnosed irritable bowel syndrome, pain predominant. I treated her IBS and her anxiety and voila, Five unnecessary surgeries. I saw the patient back, and with it, by the third visit, this woman was getting up, walking around, getting back her strength, and she was feeling happy because she was once again functional. Another patient that I recall presented to me with a history of 30 years of pain in her bladder. I remember her telling me I've been to every specialist in the world. There's nothing they can do for it. I removed her benzodiazepines by a slow taper. I started her on anxiolytic therapy on an anti-anxiety medication, and I put her on a muscle relaxer to actually help treat her bladder spasms And the next time I saw the patient, she was very angry. She cried out, 30 years, 30 years, I've been dealing with it, and it's all gone. And now she's making up for lost time. This woman had undiagnosed bladder pain syndrome triggered by emotional trauma from her sexual abuse many years ago. It was debilitating for her whole life practically since this occurred. And now she is as happy as can be, and she is off all medications. My last patient was a pain, post operative knee pain, who suffered a severe post-operative infection after having a knee replacement. His treatment was delayed because his orthopedist did not believe the patient and told him it was all in his head. The infection once finally discovered and after his hospitalization was successfully treated with a long course of antibiotics, but this gentleman's pain never went away. It was regional. The pain was persisting and it was worsening and what drove him crazy is that nobody could give him an explanation. His diagnosis, complex regional pain syndrome. Well, I've treated many hundreds of misdiagnosed patients and I can tell you that the great majority of them are off medications and most of them are, if not pain-free, with, they are with very well pain control. Unfortunately, these patients were not properly diagnosed. What is the significance of central pain? Well, it is this. You must realize that central pain is an anxiety disorder, and it is induced truly by living in fear. Remember the time that we're living in. The opioid crisis itself is misunderstood. I discussed that last week. Fear and anxiety is now being used as a weapon to control you, understand it, and combat it. Politicians and all of their corrupt and misguided government agencies are now controlling medical practitioners who are afraid to treat any form of pain. You are in a world of hurt if you cannot help yourself. And so self-treatment is critical. Know that pain from any source can be controlled and often healed. Train the brain and learn to take control of your emotional brain. Low impact exercise helps everything. And do dare to improve your diet practice good sl- sleep hygiene, and yes, learn how to laugh. The Bible says laughter does good like medicine. Remember what we are told by Jesus in John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yes, the ultimate source of peace is truly in knowing Jesus Christ. If you mock this statement, you need him most. If you're smiling with affirmation, you understand the power of salvation and forgiveness. I hope my words and understanding and treating central pain will spread far and wide. I hope that I've helped some today. I know through experience how devastating this pain can be, but it can be treated and it can be healed. When the body is whole, despite many imperfections, the mind is equipped to think clearly and to reason. And in such a time as ours, we need to be of sound mind. Next week, I'll be discussing the science and politics of a tool called common sense. You've been listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latula on America Out Loud talk radio. Please use your mind, use your body and soul wisely this week and be a blessing. See you next week. Adieu.